Nostalgia's listeners, welcome into the Nostalgia Pit, a podcast aiming to dissect pop culture, the subconscious, and other psychological phenomena through a hyperbolic and prismatic lens. Hosted by Rob Snow and Colin Cassard, mixed by Alex Riddle, and songs produced by Golden Beats, the Nostalgia Pit is available anywhere you find your podcasts. It's time for part two of our sit-down with the mixing engineer and masterer of this podcast here, Alex Riddle. In this episode, we dive into the musical career of Rob, artistic purity, and the relationship between listener and audience. We also dive into the multitude of monikers of Riddle, fame, and Seth Rogen's laugh. At this time, we want to thank our sponsors, Strange Loop Animation, brand new visual arts company specializing in 2D animation. The founders of Strange Loop have been supporters of the show since day one, and as they are supporters of the show, we are supporters of their art. So make sure you check them out on Instagram, at Strange Loop Animation, all one word. And if you enjoy what we are doing here at The Pit and would like to support us further, please check us out at patreon.com slash the nostalgia pit. And stay tuned till the end of the episode where you can hear the song Feel It by Maxwell Cuddy featuring Mikey Fox. Link in the description. Enjoy. Alrighty then, let's get into it. Welcome to the Council of Suck. I usually don't, I try not to listen to our podcast very much though, because I don't want to fucking hear myself, but I do sometimes want to see how it's all edited and put together. Uh, and it's, it's pretty fucking enjoyable to me, you know, even though it's me, Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to fucking hear myself. And for the most part you get to, I mean, I don't take that much out of it. I don't, I don't separate too much. It is pretty organic in essence, but yeah, it was definitely tough. The first couple episodes I was like, oh, I sound weird. <laughs> I know, dude. <laughs> yeah, also, I say the dumbest shit possible. As long as yeah. like everybody is aware that I'm not a very smart person, exactly. it's all good. <laughs> this is the thing that makes us actually okay at this is because we're completely aware that we're bad at it. And so I think that allow that like allows us to God, I, I disagree. <laughs> I disagree. I disagree. I don't know. I feel like we just had a, a very long and in-depth conversation about like the degradation of society due to artificial <laughs> intelligence and algorithms and COINTELPRO and the history of suppression of community. And I'm like, none of that really strikes me as wow, oh, we're not smart, we're dumb, we're not good at this. You know what idiots. I mean? Just to be fair, you know, like this is the thing about <laughs> intelligence does not mean you're good at your thing so it's like we look at what are the best pod quote unquote the best and by when i say the best i mean the most popular podcasts like a lot of them are just argument shit right you know i mean don't get me wrong comp like people love that's comedy what people want people love conflict people see people that's why that's conflict. what i don't want to listen to that's that what shit stresses me exactly. out that shit stresses me out i don't want to listen to people argue with each other yeah. i don't want to listen to people real. like rage on you know on the internet or whatever so it's like i think that's part of the reason that i don't listen to a ton of podcasts i certainly don't listen really to talk podcasts um you know it's like occasionally uh you know story podcasts or there used to be um fuck oh my god why am i i'm totally spacing on the name but it was like a like an unsolved mysteries podcast yeah or i'm into that shit hell yeah 
There's uh, something called This Actually Happened, which is an oh, okay. excellent fucking story podcast I about people's, you know, wildest moments in their life. Uh, it's fucking great. I've shed many a tear listening to that. I'm just like, wow, they really got through a lot, man. <laughs> they got through. They really yeah. did it. <laughs> they, they went through it. that and they got out on the other side and now they have such a positive outlook. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, it's crazy. you know, it's like I, I appreciate those kind of things that are like stories, you know, like like Seth Rogen did a podcast called Storytime. That I potentially has the worst laugh of all time. Like I feel, I feel really bad for him. But it's like I genuinely could never watch like a stand-up or something. Like there are there are moments when like it's an interview with him and it's like genuine pain when his laugh comes in. And like I feel so bad that I'm like that someone's joy uh, uh, can bring me so much harm. (laughs) But the fact is, it's like people, you know. They always would say that I looked like Seth Rogen when I had my hair out a little more and I smoked yeah. a lot of weed and it was just one of those, oh, you smoke weed and you're kind of funny, so you you remind me of Seth Rogen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're a white dude with a belly and he's got a belly and he's not completely in shape and you're not completely in shape and you guys both have curly hair and the similar complexion, so you know who you remind me of? Dude, you do not remind me of Seth Rogen at not even, all. Not even You remind me bit. of Sage Francis a lot. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm trying to say, you know? It's my doppelganger. Uh, okay, Sage, so we've gotten this, through we've gotten through the extreme meta portion segment of the podcast where we're talking about the podcast and yep. whether or not the w- the way that we're podcasting on the podcast is good podcasting. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> there you go. <laughs> we've done it. You've we done finally it. did we've it. Done it. Inception, we comp- baby. We're like an Ouroboros. I can't ever say Borealis. Ouroboros. 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 We're a snake eating our own tail. Yep, yep. Yeah, Aurora I mean, Borealis. Next step yeah, is uh, AI-generated podcasting on our part, I think. I mean... Yeah, we should just pass it off, you know, just let the AI take <laughs> over our the voices baton. and just send does, it off. Does know? the AI do animation these days? Yeah. 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 Yes. yeah. Big time. Is it... Very easily. Does it... Quickly does it and look, high quality. Yeah, okay, I was about to say, does it look good? Oh, yeah. Does that... Does, so, like, for, you know, for me, I think AI music hasn't really had an effect on anything that I'm doing because it's sort of at a point where like it's a thing it can generate you know there are websites that'll generate infinite trap beats and stuff like that and they are of (laughs) impressive quality for what it is but like I don't feel personally affected by that in the work that I do do you feel personally affected in the work that you do uh, against the AI well check this out the new series by Marvel the secret invasion with Samuel Jackson Guess what they did for the title sequence? Is it AI? It's AI generated. Whoa. So I just started that, means that last that night. I'm going to have to go watch that again. Graphic designers, you know, art directors, animators, special effects people, compositors. There's a whole yeah. like animation studio that was basically completely denied access to money. I mean, you look at the credits at the end of any Marvel movie and it is like just literal thousands of names of visual effects artists and like by far by by a you know like not even comparable margin the most number of people who work on the film it's just like you get to that section in the credits and it's just a wall of names (laughs) like they don't even bother putting spaces between them it's just you know that literal wall there's not enough room and to think you know it's like i like fuck that's that's real like it's i guess it's gotten to the point where it's like all of Maybe not all, but so many of those people 
are going to be without work. Oh, 100%. I mean, There's a, I recently watched a video. It's the, these guys called the Corridor Crew. And what they do is they, they just break down different VFX processes and create short films and stuff. Uh, very cool shit. But this guy, he creates uh, CGI models and makes little short films and stuff. Okay. And he uses, uh, what's it called when you put like the balls on your Motion arms capture? And legs and, yeah, he uses mocap. Anyway, so somebody brought to his attention this new program that automatically motion captures just from the video. Oh. And he was like, oh, that's intriguing. This looks like some shit that, that would cut my production time down from six months to a week. And they were like, prove it. And he's like, okay, I'll take that challenge. So he did it. He made a short film that would have taken him, you know, months and months and months of, of modeling and animation and compositing and everything. Took him a week with this AI-generated, algorithmically-driven process. So, for real, like, in the next few years, and that's why the Writers Guild is right. striking, one of the reasons. And, yeah, in, in a number of... And the VFX industry is probably going to have to strike if they're not already, yeah. or if they... I don't know if they're involved. But in a number of years, man, it's going to go down from, like, 15,000 people working on something to, like, 15 people working on something. Because, yo, like, I'll admit... To you know, to tie back to what we were talking about earlier, it's like with that constant need for increase in output, you know, like I'm a visual artist, but I'm a static visual artist and everyone mm. wants motion graphics. And so I'm like, okay, a lot of the music that I make, it's not really like there's a way for me to present it in a way that is visually compelling because I'm pushing mm -hmm. buttons and stuff. And so it's always been this thing where it's like, oh, like I need animations for my music, you know, but animation is a really time intensive process and I have like mm -hmm. I, I, I studied it in school <laughs> a little bit many years ago enough to realize how hard animators work and how much mm -hmm. work goes into that and how time consuming it is especially even versus something like music just to create a few seconds of clip and so the reality is that I can't afford to pay people to do animations for me as bad as I want to and as much as it would help my you know my career and the ability of me to put my stuff out so as an artist it's really difficult because it's like okay well now that is in essence available to me mm -hmm. to do for free right but i don't want to but it's like but that's me because i know a lot of animators and feel strongly about these people keeping their jobs but like what about the million other musical artists who are trying to get their foot in the door there who also can't afford it and then oh, yeah. and now i have to compete with their content output so it's like what are we like? <laughs> right. What are we supposed to do here? You know, like, I know, fuck. Man. We're just racing each other to the bottom, right, man. It's right, just, <laughs> just fucking streaking past each other, trying to get into the muck. Yeah, oh, God, it's terrible. <laughs> it's just like, I'm like, as soon yeah. as you know, it's like, oh man, AI animation. It's like my mind is immediately like, oh my God, that would be like I could do so much with. It would be a lifesaver. It would right? be a fucking lifesaver. But it's also right. like, well, what's going to happen when it's AI? Well, I already feel that way about AI mastering, right? It's like I'm a mastering oh, right. engineer. And so that's like a lot in many ways my bread and butter because it's the one avenue of engineering that like not every whatever YouTube producer necessarily understands at this point. But, you know, an artist can go get their song mastered by Lander for five bucks. Mm -hmm. And like I can't compete mm -hmm. with that. There's no world in which I can compete with that. But 
I also don't want the artist who can't afford to pay me 70 bucks to not get their song mass to not put their music out <laughs> right. you know what i mean right. and so it's like i i often do things with people where it's like yo i will do your first master for free if you don't use lander or you do it and then oh. uh, and then i'll do one and i'll do this first one for free just so you can see how much better it is right and then if you do that just like don't just don't Use it, just please. <laughs> I'm begging yeah. you. I will never do that, but you know, it, like my homie just put out an EP, and you know, he's, you know, he was homeless for like quite a while, and he's got his life on track, and he's trying not to be homeless again. But he's a musician. He wants to put out music. He wants that's how he wants to get paid. So he told me that he has a service or DistroKid offers a service. Yep. It might be Lander or something. Similar. Where it's a hundred dollars a year. And you get unlimited masters. Yep. And I was like, well, that's great, man. You know, that's great for yeah, you. Yeah, totally. But, oh, man. Sucks yeah, for me. At the same time. <laughs> I'm never yeah. going to do that. Right. But I have money. Right, you know? exactly. Like, I tend to generate income. The thing about it, though, it sucks. But at the same time, you know, that person would have never been a customer for you, Riddle, right. theoretically. No, totally. Because well, they just true. couldn't, they yeah. can't afford what you're offering. Right. So it's like, it feels yeah. like you're losing a customer. Right. And in a way, you theoretically are losing future customers. The biggest problem that for me is like when you start to get into the the discussion where a person kind of a, a, per, a let's say the lay person who doesn't know enough about your like a music mastering for your example and then comes in and it's just like oh well you know like hey I, I see this lander service for five dollars like I think you're charging too much like are right. you do you really think that that's like a good rate and so this happened to me with pet sitting recently where I got accused of charging people too much money. Uh, by a couple of customers who were testing out my rates and things like that. And I was like, okay, I'm sorry. You know, I, I see that you can go find someone for $15 a day on Craigslist to take care of your animal for a couple minutes. But like, I can guarantee that your animal is going to be in a comfortable position, that they're going to have like love and, and all of these like different things. Like I go above and beyond with right. my business. Right. And they're just like, mm, but I think you're charging too much. And it's just like, it's like, okay, okay, but then I and so I I went based on what you know exactly based on the fact that they saw right. on Craigslist that someone was cheaper. So I went and right. I emailed that person doing fifteen dollars a day on Craigslist. Mm -hmm. They are stacking up multiple animals in order to do that, and they live with their parents, and it, it is a minor. <laughs> right. And so it's like, yeah, this person can <laughs> afford to do that. So you can't tell me that I'm charging too much. Just because there's a, a, a minor that is out there that is making their fucking, you know, weed money right, on right. the side by like doing this, like, right. hey, I'll mow your lawn for a dollar because then right. I can go to the star, <laughs> store and get a couple candy bars. Like, right. yeah, we did that shit all the time when we were right. kids. Right. And it's like, right. did, did landscapers come up and be like, no. Yeah, that's like talking to a landscaping company and being like, I don't know, man, the kid... Next door, well, yeah, it's yeah, like that's not the fucking insane, for two dollars, and it's just like, see, yeah. are you advertising your service as like a boutique custom experience, like like kind of like a bougie no, thing? Because you should see, hotel. See, I don't have I, I I don't have my website up yet, and I haven't like gone into the actual marketing and stuff like that. Mm, okay, but gotcha. yeah, but you are correct. Like, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be trying to take care of like anxiety ridden dogs for. Fifteen dollars a day, right? No. Like that shit is insane. You're, like the fact that someone like, would like do that, like yeah, a a that's horrible on your animal, right? You know what I mean? Right. That you're just gonna have a stranger come in and take care of like your animal for like a short period of time, 
So like the services that I offer, you know, like I make sure I go to the person's house, I meet the animal with them. I do all of these things where I test out like, uh, uh, you know, like I, I hear the, the pet names that they have, the tone of voice that the person uses for their animal. And I replicate all of those same things to create a level of comfort for the animal. Right. And it's like a person for $15 is not going to do that. Right. And like, if they are, wow, good for them. But the fact is that what I'm offering is market value. And you can't try and tell me that what I'm offering is not market value just because there's some cheap hack version. Of right. It. Bro, I'm so excited for your website because I want you to have a big image of you with your mustache smiling so fucking yeah. tough, <laughs> wearing like a polo, holding a cat. Like I just, I can see it. Yeah. Selena's being a photographer has captured a lot of great pictures with me with the animals. So it, oh, that's perfect. Yeah, just a very tattooed, muscular, well, kind of muscular man. <laughs> you qualified it. <laughs> uh, I, when I deal with people who are not willing to pay the money or can't pay the money or whatever, I don't even care about any of their uh, opinions about my service or rates or anything. I don't care. I just move past any of their personal concerns and I just say, you know, this is this is the amount it is. This is the amount of work I do. Uh, if you can't afford that, that's fine. And, and I hope we can work together in the future. I never, ever entertain anybody's complaints or opinions or beliefs or anything. If it's about business, I'll just keep it to the business. And if you don't like it, that's fine. You don't have to. Yeah. It's not for you. Yeah, I don't, no big deal. I don't usually have people complain to me about my rates necessarily, but I try really hard to work with different people at different places where it's like, you know, I've got artists that are, it's essentially sliding scale engineering, which is like, you know, objectively not great for me as a person <laughs> trying to earn a living, but it's also like, yeah. you know, having been on the other side of it so many times, like I'd rather do the job for a little bit cheaper for somebody than not do it and not have them, you know, put their art out. But it's like, yeah, it's a race to the bottom. And and, and I do the same thing with the pets. It's like, yo, it's like I charge $75 a night if you want me to, or, or, you know, or a day, if you want me to take care of your animal for a couple hours. But that being said, you know, it's just like, I definitely do sliding scales. And like, if a person's like, hey, I never go on vacation, so-and-so, like, I, like, I have to do this thing. It's like, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, flex my uh, wages or flex my wage down a little bit. But yeah, it was interesting because... This person wasn't like overtly complaining about the wage, right. but they just kept doing the thing where they were like, that does seem like a lot though, doesn't it? <laughs> you know, like, I mean, you know, and just like kind of kept bringing it up like on a really fucking passive aggressive yeah. asshole way. And so it like made me kind of like hate the person a little <laughs> yeah, bit. Dude. And so I'm trying to like <laughs> remove that because I can't carry that into business. Right. Like if the person wants to give right. me money, then I'm going to let them give me money. You know what you I mean? You could also right. spin it where it's like, well, you certainly don't have to spend that amount, you know, like there are a lot of people well, who would do it did. for less. Uh, you don't, if you don't, you know, want your pet to have this kind of experience, you don't have to pay that money, you know, like, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> that's when you hit them back and you're like, oh, you know, I mean, I guess if you can't afford it, you know, because <laughs> like, I feel like. I guess if you can't afford to treat your pet right. Yeah, right. It's like, I, I feel like totally oftentimes, <laughs> at least, you know, uh, from what I see is like, oftentimes those people who are nickel and diamond like that, like, well, that does seem expensive, are people who are like, it's totally within their means to pay it. Like, when, oh, 100%. 100% within their means to pay it. No <laughs> yeah. question, no financial strain, nothing. It would nothing. not burden them. <laughs> and yeah, and that's when you, you hit them with the like, well, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I guess if you can't afford to give the best to your pet, that's always okay. There's other, I can recommend someone else to you who 
will you know, a 15 year set old up an automatic pet door. feeder and check to do a <laughs> do a like proof of life every day. Yeah, just set up a camera in your house while you're gone and then look at the camera and be like, yep, the dog's fine. Yep. 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 Automatic feeder and a camera. Cheaper than paying somebody to watch your pet. Offer packages, you know, tiered tiered packages. It's like, yeah, for 15 bucks a day, I'll uh, set up a camera and remotely monitor your pets with an automatic (laughs) feeder. It's like, I'll bring an automatic feeder, I'll put it in your kitchen, and I'll set up a camera to make sure that they exist. And If you allow me to put cameras in your house, (laughs) I'll do it for free. Yeah, yeah, No, I like that. Yeah, just let me put cameras in your house, and uh, it's all good. I I I, may or may not remove them afterwards. I saw a job. No, no (laughs) shit. I saw a job on Indeed the other day that was like, uh, it was one of those like paid studies. And the study was, let us put a camera in the primary entryway of your home for a month. And you have to be someone who's like, it was like, you have to be in a relationship and have a, like, have a partner. And we want to like monitor the coming and going habits from the front of your house for a month. Oh, that's weird. And so like, they wanted you to put a camera inside, like facing into your like entryway. And the pay, the pay for this was about 50 bucks for the, for how long? A month. For like, oh, hell no. (laughs) Are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's a little over a dollar a day. Yeah. What the fuck, yeah. man? Yeah. And then they hey, and passive then, income, man, you know? <laughs> multiple revenue streams. <laughs> I do a I do a clinical trial and then yeah, I right? give plasma and then I put a camera in my home. When apparently everyone <laughs> that you had to like be able to anticipate the number of like outside visitors that you were going to have and these people had to themselves sign releases and stuff and it's just like oh so God. you're like filming a reality television show inside of my house and you're going to pay me a, you know, <laughs> a buck 10 a day like that's cool. Yeah. Generate con- like the, the whole reality TV model is so funny. It's like, oh, well, we could pay actors or we could just like incentivize people with like an idea and get yeah. them to generate free content for us for like the possibility of fame. Right. Yeah. It, does, it doesn't know. even have to be like a prize or anything. It's just no. the ability to Instagram follows. Right. I mean, you know, that being said, it, it works for people, you know, it's like there are plenty of people who have managed to sort of parlay yeah. elements of uh, reality TV into, you know. But it also doesn't work a lot of the time. And a lot too. of people Most do of it. Time. Like, they're, right. like, look Most at how many reality Most shows are out now. Look at how many reality show celebrities are It depends out. on the kind of reality show, right? It's like if it's a reality show where it's like, oh, we got a bunch of random people in the house and it's different people each season. Like, yeah, for sure. That's the, that low yeah. that low rung uh, fame. But then you've got things where it's like, oh, this is a reality show, like following a group of people, like Vanderpump Rules, right? Like these people. I don't even know what this show is. It's I've a heard stupid, it. yeah, I've never it's heard a stupid, it. stupid. It's like trash of the earth television about like, the employees. I feel so out of touch with society when I hear people talk about it. It's about the employees at a restaurant that's owned by one of the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Oh, God. Um, See, okay, like that's what you're talking about. She parlayed ever. that fame or that that well to be fair to a... be fair she was already a very successful restaurateur and has been for decades oh, okay. and is actually oh, okay. seems like a 
you know, I mean, as far as wealthy people go, seems like a nice <laughs> enough person or whatever, relatively drama free in the context of the show, what they choose us to let us see. But it <laughs> yeah. follows this like group of messy fucking 20 somethings as they like get trashed and cheat on each other and this and that. But they all have aspirations oh, to be like actors or models or this or that. And, you know, it, I was the other day driving past the Aladdin Theater here in Portland. And who was on the bill, but one of the main characters from Vanderpump Rules doing a tour (laughs) of her podcast. And there was a line down the fucking street. Damn! I have never seen a line like that at the Aladdin Theater. It was like literally 200 people at least standing in line to watch this woman's live filming of her podcast. She's A, she's smart for... uh, actually using the popularity of the show and catapulting herself into her own thing a lot of people wait for the show to end right and then they try to do it and they try to figure it out and that shit just doesn't work and once again i mean this show vanderpump rules it's like from the amount that i hear about it like it is immensely popular oh yeah yeah, yeah. beverly hills or or, or house real housewives or whatever show totally there are certain reality shows that will elevate above but like if you're going on Married at First Sight oh, to try to no. get fucking famous, <laughs> no, 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 you know what I mean? Like, and try to get like Instagram followers, and like yeah. people do that all the time. And people it's like you it. can see it from the get go. It's like, oh, this person is not invested in this relationship at all, and they're just like doing things to like look pretty. It's all stupid. Yeah, you know, this all goes back to that racing to the bottom thing too, because mm-hmm. the idea, like, the idea has been pushed so hard that this this ego aggrandizement this idea that like you are entitled to like basically people's worship. Right. So then when you have absolutely no fucking talent to speak of (laughs) and you have no skills really, uh, well then how the fuck do you get that self or that, that ego aggrandizement, that validation externally, you know, how do you do it? And it's like, Oh, well, AI, you know, there's these trends on TikTok I could do. There's these, you know, and then, That drives down the market value of content in general. Yeah, and of <laughs> and skill like, in why? general. I don't know. These people, what are they driven by other than ego aggrandizement? That's Nothing. all it is. Because the, the, yeah, the that's end all it is. goal is being famous. The end goal is not right. the thing that gets you famous. They're on Vanderpump Rules, I remember there was like an episode, my, my girlfriend watches it. I'm sorry, my fiance watches it. And... Uh, she had an episode on and there was a woman on there and she was going into a studio to record a pop song um, because mm-hmm. apparently she was a singer. She's not a singer. But um, <laughs> that's a classic. Yeah, yeah. And know. honestly, it was hilarious. <laughs> it was like, you, I think you'll appreciate this. It's like we went in, she goes into this like studio and it's like a small room with a booth and like personas gear and like (laughs) KRK rockets, you know? And it's like (laughs) this like really creepy looking like middle-aged balding white dude like sitting in a corner like sort of salivating over this young woman. And then like, (laughs) you know, the 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 producer. Archetypal fucking And then like the producer, no, it gets better. So then they get her in the booth and they're (laughs) like, yeah, so just make some like moaning sex sounds. And she like starts doing it and he's like, yeah, let's uh, let's, like a little more like you're enjoying it, you know? 
know, and it's like totally disgusting. And the Gross. and the woman's boyfriend is sitting in the room, and this guy turns to him, to the boyfriend, the like creepy producer guy turns to the boyfriend, and he's like, "Yeah, do you make her sound like that? Is that real?" And it's just like, oh, and I'm just sitting there, God. like, "What the fuck?" And then this woman, she's like talking about it, and she's like, "She's like, yeah, I just want to be." She's like, "You know, I just feel like I should be." successful like I should be famous you know I could be a singer or I could be an actress or I could be a model and it's like that shouldn't yeah, be the fucking right. order of priorities right. and I'm like wait those are all really different disciplines from each other right and it's like I yeah. mean I guess there's like a performative aspect to all of them but like being a singer and being an actor are very very different things and even yes. though there's sometimes crossover like you pursue, and you, you pursue should have of, some drive right, to do one of those right, things, right? And Maybe then, just a little bit, <laughs> yeah. And hope that your performance is so right, fucking great right. that it leads to right, you know, but in, fame but instead or like adoration, right? But instead, it's I'm going to go in and be objectified horribly by these super <laughs> oh, yeah. creepy men at the hope that I'm going to put a single out, you know, and yeah, that that's, that's going to get and me that's famous, what it ends right. up being is like if you don't if you cannot act but you want to be famous as an actor, I mean, you're going to do porn. Right. I mean, right. how are you not going to end up doing porn? Right. It's like, how bad do you want it, you know? It's you know, like, like, well, you can't act, so you're not going to get a job in a movie. Right. But you're pretty hot, and, right. you know, this could help your... Uh, your right. You know, or it's like, oh, well, you can't whatever. sing, so you're probably not going to write a good record, but you're hot, <laughs> yeah. and you can make sex sounds. So <laughs> yes. let's uh, have you make sex sounds into the microphone and then we're mm -hmm. going to put you on stage wearing like no clothing and have you dance around and be provocative because like that's yeah. that's what it's all about, right? Like that's And that'll capture capture people's attention for a few months and people you know. love it. They love it. <laughs> the songs are catchy. It doesn't sound anything like her. Of course not, yeah. Once it's been AI algorithmically changed. Right. right. <laughs> yeah, that was the the dude who invented um autotune and he was talking about he's like the the thank you that he got from a record uh, executive was like, oh, thank God, I don't have to look for a singer now. I just have to look for an image. Right. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm paraphrasing what he said, but he was super yeah. stoked that he didn't have to both look for someone who sounds good and looks good. Right. And yeah. could just yeah. remove one and just be like, yeah, I just find someone that looks good and just turn them into a, an artist. Right. It's like as long as they don't have a like weird sounding voice. You know, yep. it's like, shit, I, you know, I'm not going to say I don't do it. I can work some fucking magic on a vocalist who comes to work with me. You know, it's like as long as you can get close to the pitch and the quality of mm -hmm. your voice is pleasing, like I can do the rest, you know, and that's frightening. And, you know, I don't I'm not doing it in a way that's like, oh, this is just because you look good or whatever. But it's the same skill set and it's the same tools and it's the same ability at the end of the yep. day yeah there's this guy speaking of uh you know content creation for like an engineer there's this dude sendai mike that uh is an acquaintance out here in seattle uh and he's a really great engineer he does good mixing he, he you know he masters and stuff and he puts out content but what he does is he will take on the challenge of like matching the sonic quality of whatever artist or whatever engineer so like he'll you know he's like oh this little uzi vert uh thing right here what he's got going on i'm gonna match that and so he'll sing into the mic and then just mix it or like you know like put on all these filters and and auto tune and shit until it sounds pretty much you know equivalent right. to the original record i think that's like pretty interesting and and a cool creative way to do it but 
it's crazy what you're able to do. I do too. That that is interesting, and it takes a lot of skill. I mean, it still takes a lot of skill to do that, which is right. I think it's interesting. Like people have no idea how much the engineers do for the end. yes. Like people know, you know, musicians know, but like I even work with people who it's like you were there when you sang it and you heard this and you like, you can't like you, you must be aware of how much work I did to this. Right. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's like, not, not that they're like a bad singer or this or that, but it's like, you yeah. must be able to see the difference from there to here. And yet sometimes these people are completely oblivious and they're like, yeah, I right. sound fucking dope. Like, right. man, I'm a really great singer. Like I sound awesome. And it's like, well, you know, that was about 10 hours of like hand, <laughs> yeah. hand tuning and vocal editing and mixing to like get it there. And I don't have any problem doing that. That's my job, you know. But there is a disconnect even amongst people who use it themselves. Yeah. It's not even just the listener. Like, the listener certainly can't tell. No. Because they don't have that first point of reference. But even yeah, even the people who I'm doing this work for sometimes, not all the time, sometimes can't, like, separate Dude, it out. Dude, an engineer you know? is, like, my secret fucking ingredient. There was this dude, Lucy Christo, who I worked with for a number of years. And... The way that, like, I, I think I'm, I'm, a, I'm a pretty good performer, you know? Like, I can hit notes. I can sing pretty well. But, like, and if I get the right production, obviously, it's going to be a good, you know, a pretty good track. Yeah. But the way he would mess with the production and mix my shit and, like, get the takes, the perfect takes from me and give me the perfect prompts, like, to just, like, change my perspective on the yeah. performance enough to, like, dude, he was doing the most, like, Engineers are the secret ingredient that I feel like a lot of people aren't like taking into account sometimes, you know? Right. Well, because you get, you know, it's like you get this thing where, again, like with the place that technology is at and with the place where the access to education around engineering is at, people can achieve sonically good results on their own or, you know, for very, very cheap or with, you know, even AI tools that'll make your voice sound good or presets or whatever it may be. And people don't realize that the other side of that coin in like, especially on the recording side of things, is it's like when I'm recording an artist, the majority of my job, like it's not hard for me to set up a microphone and make it and have it sound, you know, capture a good quality recording. But the majority of my job is on a much more sort of like vague standpoint where it's about getting that performance, like getting that. Yeah coaxing that mindset out of someone that feeling to get the right take where it's like that might not have anything to do with music whatsoever it might have to do with the color of the lighting in the room it might have to do with you know the conversation that we had beforehand sometimes we need to stop and talk about something sort of philosophical or mm -hmm. you know sometimes mm -hmm. it's encouragement or sometimes it's me being hard on them whatever it may be like that changes person to person but that part of the job which I guess technically is more producing than it is engineering, but, you know, we all wear, yeah, we yeah, all wear a sure. lot of hats, you know? And it's like, yeah. that's the part of the job where when I get people in the studio with me in person, they go, oh, like I didn't, yeah. I didn't know it could be like this. And it's Agreed. like, you know, it's like I always get clients, as soon as they come and work with me in person, they continue to work with me in person. It's because they realize. It's like all of a sudden it's like, oh, shit, right. like this matters. Like this right. makes a difference. <laughs> 
Because I I worked with Lucy Crystal. I worked with this guy C Beats, who also was extremely good at getting good takes and giving me the right random kind of like like one time he was like, "Hey, can you like so you did can you do like a falsetto thing but whisper it?" You know, yeah. and I was like, "Okay, yeah, yeah, let's try it." And it was like the thing that the thing needed. Yeah, like it was perfect. Uh, and then I've worked with a lot of engineers. This one guy was like, "Yo, man, get like more Justin Biebery on it." You know what I mean? And I was like. You're like, that doesn't mean shit to what? me. What? <laughs> like, I don't know what that means, and I don't know how to You're do like, that. You're like, first off, Justin Bieber has, like, ten different styles. Second <laughs> yeah, off, yeah. like, be specific. Like, He's like, I fuck? really need you to get, like, romantic on it. I was like, dude... I don't know I would what not you call want. any of Justin Bieber's music romantic in any way. <laughs> I would call it like it's it's the essence of romance, but you're high on Xanax. So it's like there's no actual romance or feeling behind any of it. Right. Like it's just like, I love you. Yeah. It's just like, I don't feel like you love me. Yeah. I was just confused and baffled by it. And then like I've worked with engineers who were kind of like asleep at the wheel and I'm like, yo, is that cool or is it good? And they're like, yeah, man, I think so. Yeah, let's move on. It's yeah. like, uh, I mean, it does. Okay. It does depend on what capacity. Like, there are people who I work with who don't want my input. You know, sure. like they did. They're not paying me for my input. They're paying me to set up a microphone and record them. Right. And if I'm like sort of clear on that vibe going into it, yeah, it's pretty much going to be a like, yeah, did you like it? Cool. On to the next thing. Um, mm -hmm. But that's a situation that you gauge, you know, and it's like right. I will have that conversation with people up front where it's like, hey, like, how involved do you want me as a producer, as a creative to be involved in this? Like, do you already have a set vision and you just want me to, like, do my best job to capture that vision? Or are mm -hmm. we, like, creating something? How how many fingerprints do you want on this from me? Yeah, Because I can be totally transparent and you'll never know that I was there. That you're there because you know? you're invisible. Right, yeah. exactly. It's like, I can do that. That's part of the job. It's like I spent a long time recording, like, commercial voiceovers and stuff, right? And nobody <laughs> right. in a commercial voiceover gives a shit about my opinion, and I don't really have an opinion <laughs> on it either, necessarily, or I, I can try not to. And then there's the other side of that, like you're talking about, where it's like you're working with artists and people want that and you know personally i mean i don't mean this in a in a way to like toot my own horn or anything but the projects where people let me be more involved are almost always better not right. even by virtue of of me as a as a producer but the the type of discourse and the type of like encouraging people to look a little bit deeper into their own artistry mm -hmm. and their own motivations and the sort of innate underlying meaning behind their music almost always yields a better result you know yeah. and it's not yeah it's not me it's just the process and i'm there to encourage that process yeah i think it's the secret ingredient that a lot of musicians neglect yeah yeah i mean you can be like a really good artist and go in and create a perfectly fine track but if you have a producer or an engineer or whatever who's got the the fucking the magic whatever it's called whatever chutzpah. it is yeah. the chutzpah the chutzpah the chutzpah the juge, and they can like you know drag out the fucking next level of that shit yeah. oh man i've just i am never going back yeah. i mean i am i'm recording myself but it happens if i could i would definitely yeah. never go back well if you ever need me to come down and sit in as a as a recording engineer i used to run a studio and i recorded many an artist yeah i think 
I think there's two people that I could talk to. <laughs> yes, we have both have uh, one is a lot more experienced than the other. <laughs> actually, I actually just mixed your song yesterday. Oh fuck yeah, man! I can't wait to fucking hear it, dude. I'm so excited. That shit is tight. I hope you like it. It's uh, oh, dude, you know, I will. I guarantee it's, it. It's uh, it's big and bold. That's what I wanted. Yeah, big, bold, and bougie. Yeah, just went and try and like really just take everything and like make it bigger and more intense and more enveloping in the soundscape. So I, I think yeah. I think it came out well. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm well. When we went know. and recorded the podcast, and you were playing your dance music, I was like, okay, all right, yep. Yeah. Well, this is go. what I've been telling Rob for a good while, but Rob is, you know, he needed to see I it. I needed to see it. I don't believe anything you say. Well, it's acceptable. You're a skeptic. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to fanboy for a second. Rob, I've been listening to your music a lot recently. Oh, that's like, what the fuck like is up, all man. all of it Thank a you. lot. And, like, I am so impressed. Thanks, man. And, like, to the point where, like, Colin told me that you were a singer and I, you know, first heard one of your songs on the podcast, but I'm almost like, why didn't anybody tell me how good of a singer you, not, not, not that Colin didn't say you were a good singer, but say, like, I've said it but, but I mean, time. but I mean, just like how good, you know what I mean? Thanks, and like, man. like as a producer, you know, it's like for on, on this side of things, the endless struggle is finding people who, you know, sort of have that, that, vibe that sound and i've spent you know like my entire life you know working with singers and working with rappers trying to find those people who like the way they sing is the way that it sounds in my head you know what i mean yeah. i guess to some extent not like the way that i would write or the way that i would sing but when i like close my eyes and listen to my music and i imagine there being like a vocalist on top of it that's the your music hits that mark for me, and that's Thanks, and that's man. sort of Shit. that's, that's sort of rare for people. So, and it's such a compliment coming from you because you're a very prolific musician well, I appreciate who makes that. really good high quality shit so i very much appreciate that man well i would love to work with you on oh, some shit. we are most certainly going to have to let's go 100 and to that end and you know we can talk about this more off of the podcast but nope, um only or, on the or podcast it out or whatever it may be um i think that we should like make a time for you to come down to the studio and yeah because i was like going through beats and stuff and like oh is there anything i can like send him or like maybe i should make something new for him and then i was like nah i feel like rob's the kind of guy because you're also a producer and because you're you know skilled musician i feel like we should just sit down and like create something together that would be from scratch that would be i think that's dumb. the move and i would really 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 like to do that let's do it fuck yeah let's do it Get it on the books. Yes. I make my own schedule, man. Let's do it. <laughs> and I've got family in Portland. So. Hey, there you go. There you go. Yep. yep. Uh, I was going to say bring down Vaughn uh, or have Vaughn come down for part of it because we want to record him on the pod as well. The other pod. Yeah, word. Yep. Yep. And you as well. Yep. And I've been saying for just over a decade now that Rob has been my favorite hip hop artist out of Seattle. Damn. And um, I'm not saying that he's the best, because a lot of people will be like, what are you talking about? Raps, <laughs> raps better than RLS. Okay. 
And then I'd just be like, okay, that's not what I said. I said it was my favorite. Okay. So I mean, I haven't, go. I haven't really experienced you much as a rapper. I mean, like I, I will admit I've been listening more to the, when I, when I said hip hop, I meant his, all sure, sure, sure. That's, that's so, like fair. not just his rap. I think but he's I'm, a great rapper. I, like, I remember I, I put on, you know, I mean, when I heard that song, something about you on the podcast, yeah, I was like, yo, that's Rob. Like what the fuck? <laughs> and then I dove more into your music and was just like, whoa, like criminally underrated man like Thanks, i just man. i feel like that's that's, that's my tagline yeah Marlis. it should be criminally I mean, underrated i mean shit <laughs> i get man. that comment on my videos and shit <laughs> i i i listen to this music you know to the especially the like whole something about you project and was just like wow like you this is of absolutely unimpeachable quality so i agree man yeah. that's my favorite fucking project yeah. i'm gonna shit is fucking <sighs> good i'm really like debating on it but i I'm pretty committed to it. I'm going to re-release it, reissue it on vinyl. Yeah, do it, dude. But that like, shit is oh, awesome. Man. It's like the uh, initial investment, you know what I'm saying, is yeah. like so daunting. Yeah. It's like, fuck. And then I'm going to have to at least schedule like, you know, I don't know, like two, three tours to try right. to like pay back. <laughs> you know, it's like, ah, the business side of it, fucking everything up again. Yeah. But the vinyl, I think you should do that. I'll buy one. Shit. I think I should, man. I should. I'll buy yeah, one. I'd buy one you know, too. I'd buy one of each. With a, with a hurt. Yeah. I will say recently, one of my favorite things to do <laughs> has been to put one of your songs on mm -hmm. for somebody and then about a third of the way th through it, show them a picture of you. <laughs> <laughs> you should show them like a frozen screenshot of me on the podcast like that i mean even yeah. even your art even your like banner artist pick in spotify does the job and yeah it's yeah. just like like what I'm like yeah yeah i'm like that's him my favorite like, thing used to be back in the day like i would do a show or whatever and like i'm the type of dude that like before i realized how completely exhausting touring is i would be at a local show or whatever, I would make sure my ethic was to be up front, getting down to all the artists before me, you know what I mean? Or, you know, whatever artist is before me. And so I would be just like dancing like a fucking idiot, like Chris Farley and like, you know, screaming and yelling, just acting like a fucking idiot, you know what I mean? Cause that's me. And then I would get on stage and people afterwards inevitably would be like, dude, I did had no idea that you were about to do that. <laughs> I saw you in the audience yeah. and I was like, who is this fucking guy? And then you got on stage and I was like, what the fuck? So yeah, it was always fun. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody yeah, expected yeah. That's, it. Yeah, that's been the game recently. It's been <laughs> perfectly predictable response from every single person. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. But yeah, super, super big fan, man. That that song, uh, Jamais Vu. Oh, uh, that's my shit. When I heard that, I was like, you know, because I, I, you know, wasn't really aware that you made music like that. You know, I mean, it's dance, like that's dance music. It's, you know, yeah, it's, it's very like, you know, it's very like hip hop influenced kind of slumpy dance music, which I love. But, you know, through and through All dance thanks music, to Wally McGeeve. Yeah. And like I heard that and was like, oh, shit, I didn't even know this fool did this shit. This is incredible. And, then, and that song has been in heavy rotation. Dude, you should check out Secret Crush. It was this project that I did with this uh, producer, Sudakiri, out of Seattle. Also uh, engineered and produced by uh, Lucy Cristo. Uh, but yeah, Secret Crush, man. Oh, it's such a good, again, very underrated. I think it was a very strong piece of work, and it just didn't get any traction. It was put out by Care Package, which is like a local 
little label. Is it Fountain, Montauk, Alter Ego? Are those song titles? Is it on spot? Is it on Spotify? It is on Spotify. One of them is called P- Bouquet Gray. Oh, yep, I found it. Bouquet Gray. Yeah. Uh, it's a very strong fucking piece of work, and it's put out by a little local label, but it just didn't get any traction at all. So, but it was good. Yeah, I'm going to definitely go and listen through this. I don't even think it got a thousand plays. <laughs> Maybe. Care Package was a funny thing, because we had a band named Care Package. I know, then, yeah, you and okay. Yep. And the Care Package label tried to tell us that we couldn't be Care Package. And I was just like, dude, I've, we existed before you did. Like, fuck you. Which is also hilarious, because OK ended up putting something on out under Care Package. Oh, that's funny. I never knew that. <laughs> <laughs> I never knew that. Yeah, that's they're funny. like, uh, I wouldn't say they're like controversial in any way, but they're... They've rubbed some people the wrong way around the the town and whatnot sometimes. I've heard that. But, you know, what are you going to do? If you're doing shit, you're going to rub somebody the wrong way. Care Package is a record label? Yeah. Up in Seattle? Yep. Does a lot of, like, dance instrumental type stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the other thing about it is they were doing kind of, like, stuff that we weren't doing. And it was no, like, why yeah. does this matter? That's funny. That's happened to me twice with when I was the astronaut and I had the guy from the U.K., going by the name Hashtronaut, tell me that I couldn't make music under that moniker. Right. And I was just like, dude, you ha- I have more SoundCloud followers than you do. Like, what? what and, and we do completely different genres, and you're on the opposite side of the world. What the fuck's the problem? You know? There can only shit. be one. Man. Ah, fight me. Let's fight. Fight me. Yeah, I should have been like, okay, let's fight. Come on over. Let's, let's <laughs> <Yep>. do it. <laughs> bare knuckle. Yep. Let's do it. One round. Let's do it. Let's do it. One round. One round bare knuckle <laughs> boxing for the name. Let's do it. New from Starco BS Inc., freeze-dried water. Just a few granules will make a teaspoon of water. I was trapped on a mountainside. It was my darkest day. I was severely dehydrated when suddenly I remembered I had a packet of freeze-dried water in my pocket. Wow! Starco BS Inc. Survival Management Division's chemists have been doing science so you don't have to. The fire was burning out of control and the plumbing was off, when suddenly I remembered about the industrial-sized tub of freeze-dried water we had. We only lost the kitchen and 76% of my skin. All it takes to activate the granules is a teaspoon of water. That's right, freeze-dried water can be yours for the low price of $9 per pound. Wait, it takes water to activate it? How much water does a teaspoon of water make? If you don't have multiple PhDs, you might want to take advantage of the Starco Business Service Inc. Survival Management Division Certified Chemical Engineer expertise. Or you can be like this incredulous asshole and miss out on our life-saving new product. Hey, excuse me, how is it life-saving if- Call now to get your Starco Business Service Inc. Survival Management Division Militia brand freeze-dried water now. Starco Business Servicing Survival Management Division Militia Brand Freeze Dried Water. What the f- Rob, in, in putting out that kind of stuff, the more like dance oriented stuff, have you found yourself in the sort of like dance music scene more than the hip hop? Like I, I come from the hip hop scene and then have transitioned more into the dance scene. And it's mm. been a really odd transition and i was wondering if you'd experienced any of that like just how different those scenes are from each other i actually never got in uh, no i was i remained in the hip-hop scene pretty firmly yeah 
yeah, I never really entered into, I, I think I probably would have liked to, you know, I just, I don't know, maybe there were no inroads or something, I don't right. know. Never really got into any dance scenes so much, but never too late. I've been like sort of recently exploring like that world more in terms of like on a music career side of things, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's a totally different paradigm. Like the way that people approach doing label releases, doing collaborations, yeah. doing edits, doing all of this, like kind of more DJ centric stuff. It's, it's a very it's been a, a quite a, quite an adjustment because it's so different than the way that I'm used to like thinking about putting out music, you know? And I feel like as I've put out like soul music and hip hop and that kind of stuff, it's been very like artist centric, if that makes sense, where it's like, mm -hmm. here's a song. This is like the version of the song. This is the thing that I'm putting out. It's not its constituent pieces. It is like this song. And that's not to say that like remixes don't happen, you know, like yeah, they right. do. But you generally don't, I feel like don't see a lot of like hip hop songs remixed into other hip hop songs. Unless it, <laughs> right. unless it's like, you know, someone taking a famous acapella or something like that. Yeah, like a DJ mashup or something. Right, exactly. But in the dance music world, it's like super common to see dance music songs remixed as other dance music songs, not even in like different genres, just different interpretations. And so much that it seems to be sort of like the expectation around how people network. And in terms of even like putting things out on labels, it's like, oh, you put something on a label and then all the guys on the label remix it. Oh, or right. The DJs do edits of it or this or that. It's, it's very strange. I mean, it's cool. I don't know. It, it's interesting for sure, but it's yeah. Totally I have foreign. some homies that are in the dance music world, like uh, Spearmid, uh, you know Vaughn. Mm -hmm. You know he he. Yep. You know, uh, Sudikiri and uh, WD Forty. Like, there's a lot of people. Show Mari. We did a song that was really good called "Put in Work." Me and Show Nuff, DJ Show Nuff. He does a lot of really dope, soulful kind of house sort of centric stuff. I love his shit. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, I, it, that's interesting. I, I fuck with a lot of people in the dance scene. I just don't feel like I've ever entered it, mm -hmm. you know, even though I've worked with those people a lot. I don't know. It's interesting. Do you think that's by virtue of like, of being sort of like a vocalist in that scene as opposed to entering it as a producer? Probably. Where it's like your, your vocals might find their way onto different tracks, but it doesn't change really the nature of your performance. Yeah, I think so. Mm. Yeah. And just being like, Black Magic Noise, right. like that's like just such a fucking central piece of my identity. Right. I feel like it just, I'm in the hip hop scene. Like right. even if I'm playing acoustic guitar or like, you know, you know, like, or doing a dance track, it's like I'm in the hip hop scene. Do you, do you ever worry about like people in the hip hop scene having feelings about the like dance music? I feel like I've experienced maybe not a lot of overt pushback, but definitely the feeling of like people who have sort of maybe not written me off is not the right word, but I certainly sense a maybe like decrease in respect as they come to see these like other kinds of music that I make, especially going from hip hop to dance music. Do you, yeah. do you ever like, I don't know, maybe not feel hesitant to share that stuff, but is there things that you, you know, like share with the hip hop community that you're a part of and stuff that you kind of don't or. No, nah, I put it all out and just see where things fall. You know what I mean? Yeah. I have gotten this one guy though. He was like a huge super fan. You know what I mean? In a almost troubling way, you know? Mm. And then like <laughs> I started doing something about you and other shit like that. Mm -hmm. And he, 
I was going to do this New York New Year's Eve uh, show, and I had put one of my songs that was more like dancey underneath it, or at least I was singing on anyway. Right. And he was like, he just railed on me. He's like, it's so sad to see the way Black Magic Noises has sold out. <laughs> like all they do is party songs now, and Rob just sold out onto his into his pop career. To, I mean, I guess if it makes you more money, do whatever you want to do, but it's just so sad to see it. And I was just like, all right, man, look, first of all, what the fuck do you mean sold? What do you mean yeah, by right? sold it's out? like, who's getting paid? Like, yeah, <laughs> like, I'm not getting, I am paying money to put this out, bro. Yeah. Like, what are you fucking talking about, first of all? Second of all, like, it was particularly, particularly a song that I had produced myself. So I was like, if you don't like my fucking production and my singing about <laughs> different experiences that I've had, you were never a fucking fan, dude. Right, like, right. chill the fuck out. Nobody's sold out. Like, I'm sorry that exploring different aspects of myself is, like, uncomfortable to you. Yeah. But you can go fuck yourself. How about that? And and just don't ever listen to me again. I don't give a shit. Well, like, I, it's I, not for everybody. I respect. That's that hip-hop purism. Yeah. Like it is, mindset. bro. It is like, a I real problem. I only listen to boom bap. I only listen to hip-hop that came out between the years 1991 and 1996. <laughs> Everything else after that is just horrible, and I'm going to tell you how horrible it is. Like, those people exist. And it's just like, uh, okay. Yeah, there's a lot of those. I see that shit in the dance music t world, too, though. These people, oh, like, really? a lot of them are purists. Well, it, it takes a little bit different of genre, yeah. avenue. And, like, you know, I, I think especially... In, you know, in Portland, there's a lot of emphasis on sort of uniqueness and um, doing things that are kind of niche or like different. And mm -hmm. so uh, I, you know, it's like some of the electronic music that I make is not, you know, like odd time signature, weird, like experimental techno. I think that's OK. I like the way that it bounces. But Definitely, you know, there I have felt a lot of sort of like, oh, oh, that's pop music or this or that. And it's like, it's like, <laughs> well, it's really not like in any way whatsoever pop music. Not that it would be bad if it was, but yeah, I think the requisite uh, piece of that would be uh, popular. Right, uh, exactly. It's like God, I, sh I should hope. I should fucking hope. You know, <laughs> I should be so lucky. But yeah, I get a lot of that. Like or. You know, it's like not coming from the dance music world. I don't feel a lot of sort of allegiance to genre. Yeah. And so I'll sort of like mix things together and take this or that or this or that. And then there's a lot of people like, oh, well, this isn't like house music. And it's like, well, no, yeah, you're right. It's it's maybe not. And they're like, oh, but it's not techno. It's like, well, yeah, for sure. It's not. And it's like, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and then, you know, and it's like, and then a lot of like, oh, well, I don't, I don't know. I don't really like, I'm not going to spin this in my set or, you know, blah, 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 blah for that side of things. And then on the other side of it is where it's like, oh, this is too mainstream. Oh, this is, oh, oh it's yeah. got four on the floor. Like this is too mainstream. Oh, you got big bases. Oh, this is too mainstream. And it seems like it's like, well, where, yeah, it's like, this is my shit. Like, I produced it. I made it. I created it. It's a manifestation of me. Like I thought you liked. Yeah. I thought you liked me, but like I guess not. <laughs> uh, that's like a Portlandia sketch, man. Dude, it's like I'm sorry, but there's actual drums in that song. Dude, uh, <laughs> uh, bro, okay. Just fucking. It's tell a me time signature. It. Anyone can actually wrap their brain around <laughs> and enjoy. Uh, no like, thanks. Oh, you didn't only make that with eight bit sounds you pulled from a Sega Genesis. <laughs> like what the hell, man? 
Yeah, yeah. There's definitely there's definitely a lot of that that I'm that I'm seeing, and I feel like almost. I mean, I guess you you definitely see that in the hip hop world here. To, you know, oh to, hell yeah, for sure. But it's like I've been I've been experiencing a lot of that in the dance music community up here too. I think it's in every like yeah. world yeah. that you go into. There are, are purists, yeah. and I They're was a purist for some yeah. time. I, I was like, you have to do hip hop in a certain way to pay homage and respect to those who came before you. And if you don't do those things, then you have no business, you know? And, but I credit a lot to, uh, there was this, I mean, there's a lot, like Seattle's weird, you know? It's got a lot of weird weirdos in it. But there was this one particular collective, 6950, that came in. And it was uh, this this dude, Raven, and uh, his girlfriend at the time, Do Normal. I'm not sure, I don't think they're together anymore. It doesn't matter. They had, fostered this super fucking weird collective of people who were genre bending and and just had no fucks to give about purity of anything and they would do you know they would just do shit their own way without any fucks given to any uh you know traditions or or you know whatever and and i was just like damn like the amount of like courage for these guys to go out and and open for like this crowd of people who are just like scratching their chins, looking at them, squinting at them, you know, and and like just really like no fucks given. And then they would move to like the the gay club down the street and do a set there. And they were doing like four sets a night, you know, sometimes yeah. like going from one place to the next, all different types of places. And it was like, that's dope. That's fucking dope. Yeah. Like I really appreciate the courage and truth to self that they're displaying there and i think i could display a little more of that as well you and me you both I, mean? man. I could stand to open up to more aspects of myself because that's what purity is purity is being you could call it discipline or you could call it repression but it's very much like closing yourself off right to experiences and aspects of yourself that don't fit this like idea of like the right way to do things right. or whatever, you know what I mean? See, I feel that even sometimes in the, like, desire to make things different for the sake of them being different also, mm. right? Like, there's, yeah. a, there's a flip side to that where it's yeah. like, I, you know, sometimes I, you know, try to be better about this, but sometimes find myself in a place where it's like, oh, I've written this thing, I'm really happy about it. Oh, it's not weird enough or it's not different <laughs> right, enough. Right. Oh, like... This is too, you know, not like predictable, but like, oh, someone's going to listen to this and they're going to be like, oh, well, that's not, you know, it's not cool Mm -hmm. enough. And so I'm like trying to allow myself to make music that just comes out and like without a sort of predilection of of either trying to make it sound like a genre or like this or that, or like regurgitation of stuff, but also not trying to be contrary for the sake of being contrary where it's like, sometimes I write a song and it comes out more or less in a genre, you know, or like, it's not like, you know, I might fuse these things together, but it's not this like crazy, I don't know, like intellectual sort of endeavor. It's just like, Oh, I wrote this song cause I wanted it to just, groove in this particular yeah. sort of context but i feel like yeah it's, there's a danger in both sides of it where it's like i respect people who are like oh we're just going to go out and do whatever we want uh you know be damned on whether it you know fits into this niche or not but 
also the niche isn't always bad. Right. You know, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a weird, it's a weird line. Hard to articulate. I think not. I think you hit it though. It's like just letting it come out and not worrying either way is like the best way to go about it. But for me, I definitely have a council of critics that are in my head, like different little demographic, you know, uh, I don't even know like how to explain it, but it's like, there's these different demographics and they're all viewing my work as right. I'm making it. Right. And they're saying, and then some of them are saying like, wow, bro, like you are fucking, you are making the most basic shit right, right now right. and it's garbage. Right. Oh, and then there's this other side that's like, why are you trying to like go all out like that? Just fucking keep it simple. You fucking weirdo. Right. Like, you know? Yeah. No, that, <laughs> that is exactly what it is. It's that struggle, those voices. Right. It's like, yep. Just got to keep them out of the creation process as much as fucking possible. Right, right. There's this, um, I don't know if either of you guys follow Rick Rubin on the Instagram, but uh, on <clears throat> on his page, he he posts like a new Rick Rubin quote every day and then deletes the previous ones. There's like only ever one post or whatever. Oh. So you get sort <laughs> of a, a, a daily dose of Rick. He's got to some kind right? of way, man. And there are, of course, people who archive them or whatever. But I saw one that came up a couple of weeks ago that I've been thinking about a lot which is he said, uh, the listener should be considered in the distribution of the work, never in its creation. Yeah. And, you know, I think about that, but then I think about also like this, this day and age, and especially, you know, when we talk about the context of like Instagram and the context of comparison and like always needing to like, feel like you have to compete with all these other people, right? It's like, at a certain point, the listener, the idea of the listener of which we are not supposed to consider in the work of the art is not a literal listener. It's like you said, an internal listener, right? Because mm-hmm. we've so deeply internalized the sort of knowledge of what is and isn't acceptable within certain communities or certain avenues that it becomes very difficult to separate from that even within yourself, you know, and it's like, so you, you fabricate the listener to improperly consider in the creation of your own art. And yeah. It's like, that's, and that's, that's, that is pooping your pants, man. You know, that is projecting onto other people, right. you know, your patrons, associates, network, neighbors, <laughs> neighbors, yeah. uh, teams and, uh, society, humanity, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Pooping your pants. Pooping your pants. You're just projecting. You're just projecting everybody's pants for them. Yeah, you're deciding for people what they are going to fucking enjoy or not, which is just so disrespectful. You know what I mean? Don't box them in like that. Well, the the last song that I put out under one of my monikers, I sort of decided exactly that where I was like okay the last couple songs I put out like I know if I'm being truthful with myself there were elements of it of me like sort of searching for acceptance right Mm -hmm. and like okay what does this need to sound like in order for people to want to listen to it like and that went back and forth It's, it's in a you know sort of house music realm or whatever kind of heavy bassy house music and you know at first it was like okay well I've got to be humorous because uh I can't it's too much for me to try to be serious because then my ego is on the line, you know, and like Mm -hmm. with humor, you can sort of put whatever out. Well, it was the humorous stuff didn't do so well. And quickly in hindsight, listening to it was like, no, 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 I don't really, this doesn't like feel real. Yeah. So then it was sort of the other direction, which is like, okay, I'm going to try and do something more serious. Well, that didn't sort of land either, you know? And then I made a song and, and Colin was actually with me 
And, you know, I was talking to him about the idea of this sort of like hypothetical rapper persona to go on top of it. And he started writing lyrics for me and Mm -hmm. they, you know, it's not humorous, but it captures the sort of like irreverence of the humor without it being a joke or without it being a parody. Colin's very good at that. He's very good at that, right? (laughs) And added those... Talking about, God talking about you like you're not there. Right, exactly. (laughs) And then added those like jokes or like jokes, added the vocals, like, you know, did some ghostwriting for me and added those vocals on top of it. And, you know, other than that, it was like, well, I'm just going to make exactly what feels right. Like, he gave me a bunch of lyrics. It was like, these are the ones that just feel right. And this is how the song is going to go. And I'm not going to, like, go and, you know, try to make it whatever. And I put that song out and it is so, has been so much better received than anything else that I've ever put out by an exponential exponential amount like beyond a shadow of a doubt and so i'm like okay yeah yeah this is the first time in this with this particular artist persona of this particular type of music in which i've felt that sort of click into place and so it's like yeah you got to just make the shit that you want to make and not assume that people are or aren't going to want to listen to it that's the fucking key man it's the magical key to unlock all the golden doors into the other right. universes that await you. Yeah, it made me realize how how much of my sort of like creative career I've spent with other people's sort of like voices or presence inside my head as I create, you know? Yeah. Whether yeah. that's the artists around me or the people who, you know, I want to listen to my music or the people I want to be associated with or the people that I learn from or whatever it may be. It's like there's always all these other people in the room with there's you. The whole council. Right. Exactly. The whole council. The council of suck. And they're all yep. they're all telling you why you suck. <laughs> yep, they've got a multitude of reasons. Yeah. All really, of them have their own reasons. Yeah, and really well thought out, like, <laughs> yeah. like logical reasons, you know? Like, You're like, damn, that is a good argument. Yeah. I really do suck. Yeah. I'm a complete fraud. You're right. Right? Damn. It's like the council is powerful. So this is one of those things where people like to think of the brain as like a, an entity that is individual when it's not. It, the brain is a is a amalgamation of a bunch of different systems that work pretty well in tandem but don't Well when actually... it does work in tandem it's called fucking consciousness. When it doesn't work in tandem it's like a disorder or it's you know Well we're, we could talk about neurodivergence or divergence or whatever okay, if we yeah, wanted true. to but <laughs> um I lost where I was going so it's because I interrupted you. The you were talking about the brain as <laughs> not being you're talking about the brain as being a separate entity or people. Oh yeah, it, it. it's just really easy to um, view it as a singular entity when in fact it is a bunch of different systems, just like the government, and they're not working in, in like together very well at all. And actually, a lot of them are doing things to counteract what the other departments are doing. And so there's a lot of infighting that goes in the brain. <laughs> Especially for the creation process. Each one of those voices in the council, the it doesn't matter who they are, what they are. The only thing that matters is it's not your intuition. Right. Right. And right. as an artist, you have to trust your intuition and you have to shut all those. Like, that's, I think, what Rick Rubin is really saying. Right. It's like, yeah, you shut those voices out because those voices, you know, like that is... That is the listener, you know what I mean, so to speak. Yeah. Right, you are or, you are the listener, you know. Well, if you consume music, you definitely are a right. listener, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, absolutely. And even on, like, you know, a meta level, like, you are listening to your creation as you're making it, and you have your own opinions and your own experiences that are a result mm-hmm. of all of the things you've ever experienced. And so, right, you are all the listeners. 
And, uh, but I think, yeah, you got to like sort of take yourself out of it. I think all, all many great artists, you know, talk about the idea of like being a creative conduit. Right. And we've all experienced that when you get in the flow state and you're like, I'm, this isn't even me. Like, I'm not even making this. It's just coming out and you go back and like, sometimes I'll go pull open old sessions and stuff. And I'm like, I have no idea how I made this. I have no recollection really of creating this or of the process that went into it. I couldn't recreate it. Right now I'm sitting in a session trying to capture and recreate the sound of some drums that I lost the like files to. And it's like, I'm just like, I have no idea how I did this. Like it's (laughs) Which is weird. I like it, but it's, you know, it doesn't sound like me. It doesn't even sound like something I would write necessarily. It's just a thing that happened. (laughs) And you know, those are, those are the best ones, but also frustrating riddle i know it's like late in the game but and i don't know how much time you have left but i was curious so you have a lot of different monikers Mm -hmm. right a lot of different plates spinning and i was curious as to like why and like how does it work you know what i'm saying like how do you envision kind of like managing these projects and then like why did you decide to split yourself into so many pieces? Right. Well, so part of it is a manifestation of the insecurity of the council. And, you know, and this, <laughs> sure, yeah, and this yeah. sort of like, I think in part, it was originally born of this idea of necessity where it's like, okay, I make neo soul music. I make hip hop music. I make Brazilian music. I make like 80s soul pop music. I make you know, hard dance music. I make sort of funky disco dance music. I make like indie dance music. They're all different from each other. And in many cases, the listener base does not really cross over. And people that like one disactively dislike the other. And so I think that this was (laughs) like, I was making a lot of hip hop music. And then I started making a lot of like, you know, kind of stripped down, like tech house kind of really heavy kind of dance music and the hip hop guys were not a fan of that. Just the listeners. It's fine, which I understand. It's not, you don't want a heavy, you know, house song to come up in the middle of your soul playlist. Right. Or if you're just listening to an artist. So there was a desire to sort of separate those things out from a practical standpoint in order to sort of, if there is a fan base to be built, it's going to be built around a sound and not around a like cult of personality around me. Mm -hmm. If I were, say, like a YouTuber, someone like Andrew Wang, you know, where it's like I'm showing you and displaying to you the variety of things that I do, like that's one thing. But because I'm just putting music out, if you were to go to my page and the first song's a hip hop song and the second song's a techno song and the third song's a soul song, it's confusing for the listener. Right. So that's the sort of practical side of it. And the other side of it is from a sort of creative mindset standpoint, which is that I write, you know, tech house music from a different place than I write neo soul music or hip hop. Yeah. Which comes from a different place of like funky disco house. And so those are all sort of different manifestations of my being and different parts of my personality. And while they're not totally distinct from one another within me as a human being, um, I write them from a different place and I write them from a different mindset. And so having them be able to be separated like that allows me to sort of like put on a certain hat and focus into a certain vibe 
And depending on how I'm feeling, you know, it gives me a construct to work within. Yeah, right. And each of those personas have their own influences. And they have their own, like, when I'm in this kind of mood, I like to listen to these artists within this style of music. And so those are going to be the things that influence when I make that kind of music or something mm. related to that kind of music. And then some of them are just purely masturbatory conceptual shit <laughs> where it's like, you know, I have a group called a, a hypothetical group called the Waterbed Society. And it's all, you know, it, it was this idea where it's like, OK, I'm going to like create five people and I'm going to give in these five band members and I'm going to give each of the band members a personality a this is like the gorillas yeah. kind of yeah yeah a, a, li sort of. a life history i'm gonna give them sets of <laughs> musical influences favorite albums i'm gonna give them a set of gear that they own like what kind of bass what kind of amp what kind of synthesizers does the keyboard player own <laughs> That's so dope. and then i'm going to write music but because i play all of those instruments when i sit down to write the bass part i'm gonna write it from the perspective of the bass player, you know? Yeah, if, yeah. You know, and so on and so forth. And then That's I, I, hella dope. And it's like, I'm not much of a singer, so I brought on a buddy of mine to sing, but it was like, hey, I need you to sing, but I need you to sing as Leland Royce, right? And Leland Royce... No, sorry, Leland... I'm stoned. I'm uh, getting confused here, but yeah, Leland Royce is the, is the singer. <laughs> so it's like, okay, I need you to... Uh, right from this perspective, we're going to write together. And this guy happens to only sing in a falsetto voice. And yeah. he's inspired by vocal harmony structures of both reggae groups like the Abyssinians and the way that they do four-part harmony. And then also soul groups like uh, Tower of Power, Earth, Wind, and Fire. And like down in Brazil, like Banda Blacky Hue and like people like that. And so we would <laughs> sit so together and dope, like write this what? stuff. And then, you know, for certain songs, it's like, okay, we're going to bring in some like elements of like Sade or like this or that. And so we sort of created this persona for the singer and what kind of music he likes and listens to that ends up with something that doesn't sound like any of those things. But right, were right. you to try, you could probably pick out the influences there in places. And yeah, and then we wrote and recorded like six tracks and uh, I've been slowly putting them out. Nobody listens to them, but you know, it's... Uh, <laughs> yep, it's, uh, there you go. There's the cherry on top yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Sunday. I mean, like there's like, seven, <laughs> there's like 17 people a month that listen to them or something like that, you know? <laughs> Well, those 17 people are massively enriched. Yeah, they, I hope so, you know, and I, and I don't, yeah. nobody, you know, outside of like this kind of context of talking with, you know, with you guys or with other people like who are sitting in the studio, it's not like people know that this is a thing where like I played all of the instruments, all of the instruments are live continuous takes where I sat down and performed each part all the way through. And like, you know, they don't understand the sort of like level of weird, obsessive, like attention <laughs> to detail that went into the creation of the music. Yeah. And, and they don't really need to necessarily. And that's why I say it's a little bit masturbatory, you know, cause it's like, it's something that's like almost unnecessarily complex that I do for myself so yeah but you gotta you empty know. your balls right exactly you know exactly right can't can't have creative blue balls you gotta just get it out <laughs> exactly. and it's like hey this is the thing i want to do what do i need to do to do it well you know like oh i play all the instruments i can be a band <laughs> so how do you like manage all these projects uh, um poorly uh <laughs> <laughs> 
if okay. I'm being honest. Um, <laughs> yeah. They they sort of sw- it, it depends. Like so, for example, my moniker under which I do like hip hop and you know soul music that kind of stuff is Riddle R I D L, and so for that I'm almost exclusively making music with other people. And it's mm. me sort of producing for either rappers or singers. There's one guy in particular that I work with a ton under that moniker. So with that stuff, largely the sort of project cycles and things are dictated by the people that I work with, which I appreciate yeah. because it keeps something in the focus. It you know it allows me to move around into what needs to be done and create priorities based not just on my own feelings or whatever. So that's definitely helpful. Um, and then, you know, depending on who I'm working on with what those things sort of shift in priority. And then for the last, you know, year or so I've been, you know, when I'm thinking of myself as a solo person, I've been mostly focused on the sort of like heavier house music, uh, which in which I've allowed myself like area to bring in different influences and explore in like my own sound. But that's been sort of the primary focus recently with the, the riddle music as a, as a primary in terms of working with other people. And then the other ones, I guess there's one other project called ghost kick that uh, is sort of like indie dance kind of disco indie rock kind of shit. But again, that there's a singer attached to it. And so the pace of that is largely dictated by, him keeping me on top of it and luckily i'm really really fucking fast at engineering and so i'm like that's a <laughs> oh, skill that helps that I have. a lot that if helps you're doing a bajillion things yeah and like a lot of the times when i'm producing this stuff if i'm in the you know sort of unfortunate but realistic circumstance that i'm gonna produce it record it mix it master it which like in a perfect world i wouldn't mix or master my own music but right given that that's sort of what's going to happen even when I'm in the production and recording phase, I'm already mixing. And so generally it's like by the time something is done being recorded, it's like 85% of the way there. And it needs, you know, a day of work to get it across the finish line. Just needs a little sparkle. Yeah. It's like, I just got to go in and be intentional about the mix. Sometimes those things take a little bit longer. kind of depends on what state I left it in. But these days I try to like, not walk away from a new song until it's close enough that I can sit it down and bang out a finished master within like Yeah, you put a, a normalizer a on it, you put a, a limiter on it, done. Yeah, yeah finished. Much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Crank everything to the max, normalize it, put a limiter yeah, on it. I mean shit, You're now done. that I ha- it's mastered. Now that I have a fucking I recently got a really fast computer and now that I have a really fast computer, I can you know, at times, if it's something where I'm like, I know what kind of music I'm making right now, I know this is, you know, Maxwell Cuddy Tech House, I can mix directly into elements of a mastering chain. You know, it's like, I'm not going to mix into, oh, wow. I'm not going to mix into a limiter necessarily because I need to be able to hear the dynamics. But in terms of things like my sort of like bus compression, saturation, sort of global EQ adjustments, things like that that stuff can sort of just live on my master and I just mix straight into it. And so sometimes the process of finishing a track is literally as simple as dropping a limiter on the, on the (laughs) end of it, you know, just because the work is sort of incorporated into the workflow. That's what's up. So you don't do the thing where you export a mix and then master the, 
I do exported wave. I, I do if I'm being oh, if do. I'm being proper about it. But okay, there are certain, but sometimes you mix in session. Yeah, there are there are certain circumstances. You know, like like for example, the the house music stuff. Like it, oftentimes it doesn't really have vocals on it. There's a sort of like average level that I'm looking at. There's a sort of normal degree of dynamic range that I'm going to be dealing with. The mixes aren't going to be the sort of thing where like there's a foundational element of the mix that contains a sort of general frequency distribution and dynamic range, which are a lot of the things that I'm addressing during mastering anyways. And so, you know, as long as I'm not making any drastic changes, if at the end of the day, what it comes out sounding like is what I want it to come out sounding like, then, you know, the job is done. That being gotcha. said, when I'm working with like vocalists or, you know, I'm doing stuff that's a little more like varied mix to mix, um, yeah, absolutely. I'll bounce a, bounce a mix and with some element, I might do, you know, two track bus processing in terms of like, like if I'm going to use a compressor on my two track, I'm going to mix into that compressor because that's, you know, part of the mixing process. But um, yeah, then I will absolutely bounce it and go back and do a separate mastering session on a new day on fresh ears. So, so you got a Mac, right? Yeah. Did you get a new Mac? Yeah, I got one of the. Did M you get like a Mac Studio or a Mac Pro or something? Or what? no, I wish I'm not that wealthy. But um, no, I got I got a new, <laughs> yeah, I got I the like newest that. MacBook, but with the M2 chip and shit, and it's just like oh nice, way way faster and more efficient than I was on. Like dude, a I'm trying to get a fucking Mac Studio, man. I'm gonna have to finance it, but dude, what, I mean, those things are what like ten grand. I don't know. I think it starts at like four grand, and then you can uh, yeah. build up. Or no, maybe that's the Mac Pro. Where it's like modular, so you can like it starts at like five grand, and then you can go up from there. Yeah, I feel like I feel like that's the kind of thing where I pull one of those up, and I'm like, yeah, we can keep this cheap. And then it's like, well, but why wouldn't I get the two terabyte hard drive? And then it's like, oh right. uh, well, yeah. you know, it's like I could have 32 gigs of RAM, but this thing can take up to 96, and so like, you know, it's <laughs> like it I, like it might as well. And then all of a sudden, oh, now it's 23 grand. Right, exactly. Okay. And you're like, Fuck. <laughs> you know, I'm like. They're not. They're not going to finance me a twenty thousand dollar computer, and by the time I would pay that off, uh, there would be. I would probably have already needed a new computer. So yeah, no doubt, dude. That's the thing. Yeah, just build your own, and you can build that twenty three thousand dollar computer for two twenty five hundred. You know, or like I mean? get a PC and yeah. just put the well, pieces. Well, in. But the thing is, yeah. But if you get the little pieces and you build it all together, you can run. Linux, you can run the Mac OS, you can run everything, and your computer is proof is proofed against planned obsolescence. So all you have to do is just like update it periodically, and you're not controlled by the shittiness of Apple. Steve Jobs is not. But then you have asshole. to like know something about computers. Yeah. <laughs> you don't really, you could pay the thing is you could pay someone a thousand dollars to build you a twenty five hundred dollar <laughs> computer and you'd be saving right. eighteen thousand dollars. Right. But then like, I have to I still have to understand how a Linux system works in order to truck. No, in you order can run to... Mac OS on it. Like you can still run the same OS like operating system and only do things through that. Like that's the, like everyone always goes back to the, like, oh well I have to learn Linux. It's like I you thought don't there was a degree of opacity between Mac with Mac uh like a fully fledged Mac OS running on another machine that's what they want you to think yeah that's fair that's i fair. mean dude dude apple is a fucking trillion dollar company 
Well, well, I mean that. Well, that's worth looking into then, because it's like if they I don't can, want you to win. It's like if I can run. No. If I can run the identical. Money. If I can run the identical operating system software and everything, you know, I mean, I guess I could do away with some of the. I mean, I guess actually, at the end of the day, all of the Apple features, all of the OS features, all of the integration with the watch, with everything else, which are things that I use frequently between like my phone and my watch and my computer. That that's all part of the OS. That's not part of the hardware. So, hmm, interesting. There's no way to argue against you, but I'm not going to do that. Yeah, Sam. Yeah, no. One, <laughs> the thing is, no one is, and then they're just going to be like, oh, you know. I need, but the fact is, when you go, like, when you, you know, I know Riddle, you just got a new computer, but there's like two, three years when you're going to need another one. Yeah, I mean, luckily I didn't you know? have to pay for this one because I have really, really good insurance, and so. Uh, my whole studio is insured, and my computer falls under my studio oh, insurance. Yes, so. right. You got flooded or some shit, right? No, no. I, I just had a uh, the computer got destroyed. It got damaged, but they basically will pay for me to replace to a like if it's totaled or whatever. They'll play oh, pay for me to oh, replace okay. to a uh, current model of the same thing, and so. Um, I just set my insurance policy to cover whatever a newer computer would cost. And then because my computer was, you know, because that's you know what I paid for it or whatever, but because my computer was beyond repairing, they, you know, basically just cashed me out for the full value of it. And so, nope. uh, yeah, so I was able to buy a new computer. I think I spent like, like two or 300 bucks on it to upgrade some memory, but you know, I yeah, mean, not bad at all. Yeah. So in that, bad. with that being the case, you know, maybe if I, I do want to build a dedicated studio computer, or I do want a dedicated studio computer. That's just like stupidly blindingly fucking. And now that I've Wouldn't been moving be in, nice? now that I've been moving into the like immersive sound and like VR and doing like game sound and stuff like that, it, it becomes more necessary. So the thing about building a computer is it's an extremely daunting task. The best way to do it is to have a computer that you're not re that you are using still and that is kind of your passion side project right. and you just kind of get pieces and assemble it over time. Like getting a computer all of the parts like sometimes parts will uh, be missing. You know, like you could like right. for whatever reason, say a graphics chip, like you can't oh, get it. Oh yeah, those were the fucking impossible market. to find right. during the pandemic. Yeah, yeah exactly. So you kind of have to like wait it out. But it's like if you're patient and you can just kind of like build it over there as you're still making money and making music, and then just like put a little bit of time or like buy a component for it periodically, you're gonna have a supercomputer eventually. Right. Dude, like, I have a homie that is a complete gear nerd, and he does that shit. He builds computers, and he loves it. He just have him build one for he, you. He decks them the fuck out. But, Have him build uh, one for you. Yeah, well, you know. That's the thing. You find someone that loves to do it, and then you ask them to do it, and you still will be saving yourself so much money. You don't have to worry about, like, doing all the market research on all these different parts and stuff right. like that, because you already have a friend who you trust and would be willing to do it. See that, And that, that's not the daunting part for me. Like, I feel like I would enjoy the, like, assembling and building of the computer. Mm. It's the software side of things that is the more daunting yeah. side for me. So it's like, I could build a computer. I would just have to pay someone to, like, set it up properly in terms of, like, what runs to my needs or whatever. But And I'm, because of my near-debilitating ADHD, right. if I ran into any problem at all, uh, I would be like, fuck, yeah. what do I do? Yep. Total meltdown. <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, I can't even continue with this. I experienced that literally yesterday. Oh, like yeah. I was trying to, 
I was trying to download this program called Unity, oh, which yeah. is like, you know, Unity. It's like what they build video games in and shit. And uh, something about it just wasn't like working. It just like wouldn't download properly or like trying to find the right like legacy version of it to do this whatever it was like this whole thing where it was just like i ended up downloading three different versions of it and having a like near meltdown in the studio like luckily there was nobody here and like my fiance was at work and so i'm just like sitting here like fuck why don't this fucking shit work god damn it yep Yep. It's like fucking technology. Just that would be me if yeah. anything went wrong with this yeah. computer that I've don't know anything about that's all modular and right. completely impossible for me to wrap my head around. Right. It's like Well, that's why like you, you just have to have a friend that you can call, you know, your consulting agent, you know, something like that. If you're doing all this by yourself, it can be a lot more terrifying. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like when you when you aren't reliant on the computer, it like makes it a lot more easy to do. It's like okay, right, right. you know, like that's like I'm. It, this will eventually be something, but it doesn't matter right now. I can't, like, it's not like I can't do what I want to right. do on this other computer. Right. Yeah, midterm goal. Midterm goal. Yep. Midterm elections. You know, mm, et cetera. Elections. Um, yep. yep. So yeah, when uh, when the senators get uh, elected, I will buy a computer. <laughs> it's my midterm goal. There you go. No, Seems kidding. reasonable. But um, for the sake of brevity, <laughs> I'm kidding. We've been recording for 170 minutes. Yeah, uh, exactly. For the sake of brevity, it's going to be a two-parter, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. Yeah, I think that's oh, yeah, a, nice. probably a good call. Yep. No, just yep. one three, just one three-hour episode. No. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, shit, it's a thing. People do it. Yeah. The problem is I can't bounce the the file when it's over two hours on my Ableton. So oh, shit. Like, that's why I have to do part one, part two. Well, there you go. Riddle's Fair experienced enough. this yes. before. Where it's like, why are there 15 stems for this all of a sudden? It's just like, oh, well. <laughs> part one, part two. It's not my fault. Well, it's know. not my fault. We covered, a lot of, we covered a lot of ground, you know? Yeah. Riddle, I want to make sure that the people know where to find you on the back end. Um, so tell Plug people, it. you know, yeah. where, where they can find you, where they can find your music, where they can contact you about services, etc. Yep. We'll make sure that in the episode descriptions, we put your social tags All and whatever links you want me to drop. Yeah. But tell the people. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we, we talked about all the different monikers, so I'll try to keep this straightforward. Um, on the Instagram, it'll be one of two places. If you're looking for me as an engineer or a hip-hop guy, that's going to be at Riddle Music, R-I-D-L Music. And if you are looking for the sort of more aggressive dance stuff that I've been doing uh, recently, that's going to be at Maxwell Cuddy, C-U-T-T-Y. Um on a sort of big picture view of all of that stuff, um, you can check out the Space Mother Bandcamp, which is sort of a hypothetical record label. Pretty much all of the releases are by me under different artist names and with different people. But that is thespacemother.bandcamp.com. And yeah, those are all the places. There's a, if you want to hire me, uh, you know, I'm on Sound Better, that kind of stuff, or you can just shoot me a message and we can work something out. Sweet. Please do. Groovy. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. I, Thank as you as for having me. Listener. I, I am an avid listener and I've been, I've been eagerly awaiting an opportunity to be able to come and chat with you guys. So thank you for having me. It was quite enjoyable. Well, it was our pleasure, sir. It's about time. And uh, it was excellent to learn more about you and your process and your thoughts and everything. So 
Thank you. Yeah, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, my pleasure.